The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Hopefully we'll learn some things today as the ushers pass out the study sheets. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. I just want to read a a couple of verses here. I'm not going to read the entire noted scriptures, but Luke chapter 14. Actually, I'm sorry, 24. We read here, For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And there were great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Let's pray before we get into today's lesson. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that, that is your word, unchanging uh, truth. And we just praise you and thank you that throughout our lives and our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and future generations, truth will be known. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy that you've given to us. We ask you now to bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said, uh, certainly the Lord is not saying that we need to hate our mothers and fathers. That would contradict what he taught us in, in um, the Ten Commandments. And We're not to hate our brothers. We're commanded to love our brethren. We're not to hate our, our sisters or our children or any of those things. That term hate is... Is a, is a general translation of a term which would be better defined as love less, to prefer less. So when we go through our lives, we are to, we are to prefer the Lord above all things. We're to, we're to love the Lord more than we love our own family, our own, uh, even our own self. Uh, the Lord should be first and, 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 and foremost in every aspect of our lives. So I started a series of lessons actually last year sometimes called The Marks of Success. And we've, been, we've gone through so many things. I, I can't possibly uh, recap everything that we've gone through. But for the last several weeks, for the last 13 lessons, we've been uh, talking about the tests of discipleship. And, you know, the Lord says that we're to judge our own selves. We're to examine our own hearts. We're to, we're to, we're not to judge our brothers or the life of a brother or sister. We're not to, we're not to, uh, judge their motives or anything else, but we are to judge ourselves. So that's what I've been trying to do with these 13 lessons is, is trying to, uh, convict us to, to look at ourselves and look at our own life. And test our own discipleship. Are we disciples of Jesus Christ? Can we truly be, call ourselves a disciple? So we've been, we've been giving ourselves, uh, if you will, a test. And when I started this, I mentioned that when I, would, when I would grade my high school students, when I would give them a grade, I wouldn't just give them a grade off of the test, off of the written test. That was only, that was only one part of my overall grade for them. I, I, I looked at all kind of different aspects. I looked at their homework, for instance. How, how, how good did they, how consistent were they in their homework? Uh, their study habits and all of these different things. So I had several different criteria that I would, that I would gauge when I issued them a grade. And certainly, of course, their test scores factored into it, but it wasn't the complete, 
that wasn't their complete grade. Uh, so, so here in, in our Christian life, there are several different categories that we need to examine, that we need to look at. Uh, I gave us, so far we've looked at four. Uh, first, we looked at the category of obedience. And, and I asked you to, to, to um, grade your own obedience. How, how are you personally when it comes to obeying God's principles, obeying God's word, obeying God's will, and all these things? We looked secondly, the second category we, we considered is faithfulness. How faithful are we? Are we faithful only in the good times? Are we faithful only when it benefits us? Are, are we faithful even at great cost to us? Are we faithful even if it will, will bring trouble into our lives? Uh, the third category we looked at was perseverance. Uh, not quitting, not giving up, uh, enduring hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Not, not wavering, uh, not, not changing our, our, uh, our convictions midstream. Uh, we talked about that. Category four, we, we took several weeks to go over, was the, the category of love. Uh, how, do we, how do we rate in godly love, in, in true Christian love? And we looked at the many different aspects of that and uh, studied that. Now this morning, I want to try to finish up uh, by looking at the last two categories. I don't promise you we'll get there, but I'm going to do my best to get us through the last two categories uh, this morning. So category number five... I want you to consider and rate yourself this morning in the category of surrender. Surrender. Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Let's go to Romans chapter 6 here. And we're going to look at just a few verses in Romans chapter 6. And let's begin at verse number 12. Romans chapter 6. Beginning at verse number 12, we read here, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your, mortal in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So we see here this matter of surrender, this matter of of, of yielding the control of our life. Who are we going to yield it to? Uh, Jesus, uh, 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 the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write here uh, that he said, let not sin therefore uh, reign in your body. He, he said in the next verse, neither yield ye yourselves unto sin. So from this I can see that we have the control over these things. Certainly, if you and I did not control this, the Lord would not have inspired Paul to instruct us to control these things. So, while, while you and I have, have no control over sin in our natural state, in our unsaved, unregenerate state, we had no control over sin. We might be able to resist sin for a short time, but ultimately, sin would rule over us. But now things are different. 
We're a, we're a what? What does Paul tell us we are? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. You and I, by virtue of our salvation, have been empowered. We have been given by God power over sin. We have authority in our life. See, now we can say no. When an opportunity and when, a, when an opportunity presents itself for me to choose to do right or wrong, it's exactly that. It's a choice. Sin does not have control over me. Sin does not rule over me. It has no dominion over me. I have control over that through Jesus Christ. You remember in the scripture where the Lord said even in temptation he would give us a means to escape? And this is the means to escape. This is how we escape temptation. We escape temptation by consciously being aware that God has empowered us to resist temptation and to overcome sin. You determine what you do. Not, not your flesh, not the devil. You determine. You determine what you do. You determine where you go. You determine who you call friend. And all these things are, are, are determined by you when, you when you yield yourself, is the word Paul used. He said, don't yield your, your, your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Don't yield your eyes to, to look at sinful things. Don't, use your, don't yield your tongue to speak evil. Don't yield your hands to handle sin. Don't yield your feet to go into places you should not go. Paul says, don't do it. Don't yield yourself. He said, let not sin reign in your body. Control it. Now, to yield means to give over. It means to surrender or relinquish the control um, to the physical control of another. So, uh, you surrender. That's what it means. And today I want to discuss our surrender as Christians. Who do we surrender to? We need to determine this morning, you and I as believers need to determine unto whom or unto what will we yield ourselves. Now, there's a lot of different directions to go, but I'd like to consider two options this morning, uh, given mostly time restraints. So I'm going to look at these two options this morning concerning our surrender. Option number one is to surrender or to yield to the world. That's option number one. Now, turn with me, please. Let's go together in our, in our Bibles to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and let's, let's look beginning at verse number 15. 1 John chapter 2 and verse, beginning at verse number 15. We read here, love not the world. Now, I could stop right there and we could go home and we'd be blessed. Amen? Love not the world. Now, I'm not talking about the trees and the lakes and, and, and the beauty of this world and, and, and the, the splendor of what God has created. When I say love not the world, I'm talking about the philosophies, the, 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 uh, the, the opinions of the world, the philosophies of the world, the allurements of the world. We're not to love those things, but let's read on. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that's a harsh statement, isn't it? 
That's a bold statement. John said, if you love this present world, if you love all the, all the things that constitute this world, then the love of the Father is not in you. So I, I worry about a lot of people who call themselves Christians because they, they prefer the world over, over the Lord. And if you do that, you can't possibly have the love of the Father. And you, if you do, then, then the, the word of God is a lie. So we have to be careful here. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, <clears throat> the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. <clears throat> and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So we read here... Uh, Love not the world, and as I said, we're, we're talking about the philosophies and principles that govern society, as well as the spirit of the Antichrist, which doth already work in this world. This, of course, is the devil, and also includes the lusts of our own flesh. Now, the three things that John mentioned here in verse 16, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, constitute the enemies to the Christian, to the believer. Those are your enemies. These three things are, are, are the things that the devil is going to use to attack you every day. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is the greatest man to ever live? The man Jesus. What three tactics did the devil use to try to tempt Jesus? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He used these three very things when he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Turn, turn this bread, these stones into bread. Throw yourself off this tower. Uh, I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth. He, gave, he tempted Jesus with the same three things that he tempts you and I with. Now, you and I, of course, we're not Jesus. So we fail in them. But this is all the devil needs. Too often we find ourselves on the losing side of society's opinions. The world's philosophies have become increasingly liberal and increasingly tolerant of those things that the Word of God calls abominable. We face, you and I, in our Christian walk, we face a world, we go to work every day and we, we go into a workplace that is totally intolerant intolerant of, of biblical principles, but yet is totally tolerant of worldly philosophies. At my job site, I couldn't possibly pass out uh, uh, scriptures. I couldn't possibly pass out tracts with scriptures on them. Couldn't do it. But if someone wants to hand out flyers promoting Gay Pride Day, that'll be allowed. That'll be permitted. That'll be tolerated. So we live in a society that bombards us as Christians every day uh, trying to break our, our, our will concerning biblical principles. You need to understand that, especially you younger people. You younger people need to understand that you are facing every day liberal philosophies, philosophies that will, that will draw you away from God rather than draw you nearer to the Lord. John very clearly tells us 
by inspiration of the Spirit of God that if we have this, that if we love this world, then, then the love of God is not in us. I find it somewhat alarming that those claiming to be the children of God can sit in their homes and become so complacent with our society today. Great numbers of Christian men and women have put their heads in the sand like a flock of ostriches. You ever seen an ostrich stick his head in the sand? I've never seen it, but I've, I've, I've read about it and I've heard it, that the ostrich sticks his head in the sand when danger approaches because he, he believes if he hides, his, if he doesn't see it, then it doesn't see him. And you know, that's almost the way Christians behave. Well, you know, I know it's not right, but, you know, what can I do? And like a bunch of ostriches, we hope it goes away. Well, let me tell you, it's not going to go away. It's not going to get better. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying today let's launch a campaign because the truth of the matter is we've let this world slip too far. You know, American government, for instance... I try to vote for the best politician I can every election. But you know what? I know that we are not going to turn American government back to the right side of God. We're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. So forget about it. But let me tell you where I can control the government is within the four walls of my own home and within my own heart. And that's what we need to focus on. So... Jesus prayed a prayer to the Lord, Father once. He said, Lord, uh, he said, Lord, they must be in the world, but I pray they not be what? Of the world. Are you, are you of the world today? Now, we all have to dwell in the world, that's for sure. Because until the Lord comes to take us home, we're in this world. But my question is, are you of the world? Because if you're of the world, then you are not right with the Father. So let's examine ourselves today. Let's examine our hearts. But someone may say, well, yeah, but look how bad it is. What can, we, what can I do about it? What, what can I do? You know, I'm really glad you asked me that question this morning. I was hoping somebody would ask me that question so I could answer it. Turn with me to Second Chronicles chapter 7 in your Bibles real quick. Now, the scripture I'm going to read to you, let me just, let me clearly state. It applies to Israel, Okay. It applies to the nation of Israel and, and to the nation of Israel returning to the Father. But there is absolutely nothing of adverse to us using this scripture today to apply to the hearts of the modern-day believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 14. What, read this out loud with me, everybody together, okay? Let's read together. If my people, that's us, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now again, as I said, this scripture was written to Israel. Okay, don't, I don't want to sit here and say that God wrote this scripture for modern day America because he didn't. He wrote this for the nation of Israel. But it certainly is applicable to you and I today. Now I'm not saying that God is going to heal our land. Okay, he's not, committed. he's not committed to healing America. Nowhere in Scripture do you find America. You can read all of the prophecies to come of the end times. You don't find America in there. 
Okay, so God is not, I don't think God is so concerned today about, about salvaging America, but he will bless his people within America. So this applies to our hearts. So let's look at it real quickly. Uh, what can we do today? First, we must become humble before God. James chapter 4 and verse 10, we read, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. We have become so proud of ourselves today, forgetting about God and depending more on the world than we do on the Lord. You know, we need to remember who we are and what we are. We are children of God, and we are blessed because of that. Not because we're smart, not because we're strong, not because we're, we're so invaluable. What did Paul say? Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul understood and realized that that, that he was nothing, but God's grace acted upon him, and, 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 and God's grace empowered him to do the will of God and, and to serve the purpose of God. And that's where you and I need to live our lives. Every day of our lives, we need to be like, we need to, we need to come to God and say, God, uh, prosper me today. You give me what I need today to do what I have to do. So often, I pray that prayer as I'm driving to work in the morning. God, today, give me my daily bread. Prosper me today. Give me the words to speak today. Give me the strength to work today. Give me the wisdom to make the right decisions today. Look at Joseph. God, everything, everything Joseph did, God prospered it, didn't he? No matter what it was, he was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's house flourished because God blessed Joseph. Potiphar threw him in the prison. In the prison, Joseph flourished and became uh, the greatest in, within those walls. And then, and then later on, Joseph became on the second to only Pharaoh in Egypt. And God prospered Joseph's life. And Joseph understood and realized why. And that's what we need to do. We need to be humble today before the Lord. If, if you have accomplished anything in your life, it's because of God. You need to understand that. When I have a good day at work, sometimes the supervisors and managers will come over and say, hey, really good job. I say, well, praise the Lord because God prospered me today. And boy, they... <laughs> but you know, I'd be afraid not to give God the credit because I'd probably never do it again. God prospers us. God blesses us. Are you going to go home and have lunch today? Then it's because of God. It's because of God that you're born again. It's because of God that you're sitting here this morning. It's because of God that we have air conditioning and lights. It's because of God that we have air to breathe. It's because of God that we have a home in heaven. It's because of God. It's because of God. It's because of God. And nothing, nothing because of me. The only thing I could ever produce in my life was sin. And we need to understand that. What can we do about, about things? Second, we must return to prayer. 
People have forgotten how to pray. We must return to prayer. James chapter 4 and verse 2. James wrote, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Prayer. Let me give you, let me give you three thoughts about prayer real quickly. First, when are we to pray? We're to pray without ceasing. We're to pray without ceasing, never stopping. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17, pray without ceasing. Now, that does, this doesn't mean that you, you verbally pray every moment of your life, but it's, it, what it's talking about here is having a spirit of prayerfulness, a constant awareness of the presence of God in your life, a constant awareness that your heavenly Father is there to, to meet all of your needs and to provide all that you, that you need to have. And it's a constant awareness of God. In a sense, in a sense it's, it's constant communication with God in our hearts and in our minds. And it's living our life in a constant awareness of prayer, constant state of prayer. Pray without ceasing. Don't ever quit. Don't ever get tired of praying. If you don't get the answer you want, if you don't get an answer at all, keep on praying. Don't stop. Secondly, where are we to pray? Everywhere. We are to pray everywhere. We don't need to... We don't, now, there are certainly times when we should get apart and we should, we should not be doing anything else and we should be focused only on communicating with God. That's true. But, you know, often I'll, I'll be driving down the highway and, and I'll, I'll be talking to the Lord and praying to God in the grocery store sometime. Uh, wherever you are, you can pray to God wherever you are. Pray everywhere, in, 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 in your home, in the streets, uh, in your car, at work. Pray everywhere. And then why are we to pray? Thirdly, we're to pray for grace and strength. Verse, uh, Luke chapter 22 and verse 40, we read, And when he was at that place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Certainly we pray for the things we need, and we pray for the needs of others. But let me ask you a question. What greater need do you and I have other than grace and strength? We don't, that's the greatest need we have in our life, is that God's grace would, would rule in our lives and that we would have the strength of God in every situation in our life. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, we read, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that ye may be healed for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Every time I, I talk to sweet Zelda over there, she always grabs hold of my hand and she says, I've been praying for you. And you know, I, I know she has because I can feel it. I can tell that somebody's praying for me. And, and you know, when we pray for one another, that is such a powerful weapon that we have. When God's children come together and and pray for one another and, and seek God's favor upon each other. So we need to pray. We need to return to prayer. What can we do? Thirdly, we must repent. We must repent. In, in, in Second Chronicles, which we read, uh, we read it a moment ago, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Repent, seek my face. You know, 
I've often tried to figure out how to illustrate this term, seek my face. And I, I, can, I can illustrate this super clearly to every, every married man in this room. Have you ever messed up and got your wife mad at you? Huh? How many of you guys would say, I've gotten my wife mad at me at least once in my life? We go through, we go through the horrid business of trying to get back in favor with her, don't we? We buy her flowers and buy her candy and send her cards and we talk sweet things and we do everything around the house for her, right? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what we're doing there? We're seeking her face. We're, we're trying to get her to turn to us again. And, and this is what God wants from you and I. He wants us to dote upon him. He wants us, he wants us to, to, to plead and, and, and to come to him and seek his face. And Lord, please uh, bless me today. Bless my family. Bless my church. Bless my pastor. Bless my friends. That's what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to go through our life self-sufficient, like, like we don't need him. And, well, Lord, you know, if you decide to bless me today, okay, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm really doing okay, Lord. That's not what he wants. He wants us to seek his face. He wants us to repent. And then fourthly, we must reject sin. We must reject sin. He said, seek my face and turn from his wicked ways. In James chapter 1, James tells us this. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. We're to reject sin. And when we, when we do these things, when we humble ourselves before God, when we return to prayer, and, and when we repent of our evil, and when we reject sin, then we will overcome the world by the power and by the grace of God. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, that's my, that's my refuting, if you will, of option one, which was to yield to the world. These are all the reasons I think you shouldn't yield to the world. But I want to look at option two today, what we should do, and that is this, yield to the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit. I don't have time to turn to it, and you can read it later in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. And the Bible talks about yielding to the Spirit and gives us the fruit of the Spirit and all these things. Um, but there are so many things that I could say this morning, but we've already studied this area, and, and we've already gone over these things in much detail, so uh, I won't cover all that material again. However, I would like us to consider just for a moment the benefits of the spirit-filled life. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the, uh, Paul writes, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. If we yield ourselves to the spirit of God and, and if, we, if we go through our life uh, in a constant 
yielding to the Spirit and constant submission to the Spirit. These are going to be the attributes of our life. The fruit of the Spirit is singular. The person who, who has a Spirit for life possesses all of these attributes. Love, um, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. But it's a long process. It's a lifelong process of being filled with the Spirit. There are those who, who would believe that we can, just, we can just stop in the midst of our turmoil and, 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 and ask God to fill us with his Spirit and we'll be filled. Uh, but that's, that's a misunderstanding of what the Spirit-filled life really is. It's not an instantaneous slap across the face. It's, it's, it's a longevity. It's living godliness every day of our lives until godliness becomes natural to us, becomes a natural part of our life. How are you doing today? How am I doing today? How do we, how do we rate? How do we, how do we score ourselves in this area of surrender in our life? Are we yielded to the spirit? Are we living a spirit filled life? Do we possess all of these godly characteristics that we see? But then quickly, I need to finish up this morning. Category number six is suffering. The last category we're going to look at is suffering. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 through 18, we read, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon, Paul writes, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, in our day today, there are still some countries where people who are Christians really do suffer. They're persecuted violently, they're murdered, they're killed for their faith. But here in America, you and I, we don't, we don't face that kind of suffering, do we? I mean, nobody's going to come to my house this afternoon and, and put me in chains and bring me to the town square and tie me to a stake and light me on fire and say, uh, denounce Jesus or we're going to burn you. At the I'm not going to do that today. Not here in America. So, really, we don't have, we don't, we don't suffer in America. We really don't. We don't suffer for Christ. I mean, what, what, our dishwasher went out? And we got to wash dishes by hand? Is that, is that what we call suffering? Your, your washing machine broke, and, and you got to beat your, your clothes with rocks? Uh, that's not suffering for Christ, okay? So, let me establish that right away. Uh, we don't face martyrdom as did our forefathers. But we are called upon today in our nation to, to face, God calls upon us to do certain things that, that we will talk about now. So let me go through those and then we'll be, we'll be done. First of all, today we must deny the flesh. We must deny the flesh. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, we read that Moses, when he had come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh and chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You and I are called upon to, to uh, deny the flesh. Listen, if you want to call it suffering, call it suffering, but we're, God expects us not to live for the pleasures of this life but to focus our life to his glory and honor. Young people living for God's glory and not for the, for the satisfaction of the, of the senses of the flesh. Uh, people on the job doing 
what's right and what's ethical and what's fair. All these things. We're to deny the flesh. We're called upon not to participate in the things that are available to men today. The desire to be, the desire to have, and the desire to do. These must be denied in our life for that which is true, right, and holy. So we, first, we must deny the flesh. Secondly, we must commit our prosperity. Paul said, those things that were gained for me, I counted it as loss. Listen, we're too worried today about, about our prosperity. We're, we're so concerned with our 401ks and our retirement plans and, and all these things, as if these are the things that are going to sustain us in our old age. We, we must commit our prosperity to the Lord. We must not be afraid to do those things which are right uh, for, for the cause and the purpose and the work of Christ. And then thirdly and lastly, this morning, we must sacrifice our freedom. Paul said, though I be free from all men, I've made myself servant unto all. And yes, you and I have great liberty today under the law, but it doesn't free us. It really, it really makes us more obligated. We must, we must sacrifice our freedom, doing those things which we know we must do and not, not leaning back and resting on, on, on the grace of God as, as an escape for living holy, righteous lives. Well, folks, uh, we've, we've, we've given ourselves a grade, hopefully, throughout this, this uh, study that we've done, these last 13 lessons. And I, I just want to ask you this morning, and you answer this in your own heart, how do you score? How do you rate as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Thank you for being here this morning. And I went over a little bit, and I'm terribly sorry. You can tell by looking at me how sorry I am. But we are, we are dismissed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org